Hello, and welcome back to Everything You Know Is Wrong, the daily podcast here on Radio Free Oz. Just to remind you all that as of January 2nd, as we're getting our stuff together, Oz will go to dime a day. It'll be $3 a month. Some people have already sent in their contributions before we've actually gone through the registration process, but we'll take care of you. Don't you worry. The rest of you will be going soon up to Radio Free Oz. There'll be a area there to click on for registering. You'll go to the registering page, and for $3 a month, you get the entire Oz, okay? Well, let's move on, it being Tuesday. The 27th of December, two days after Christmas, we're still in the holidays, but hey, I thought it's important for us to use a recently piece of dug-up information to take a look at where the extreme right-wing, yes, it's extreme, but unfortunately it has an awful lot of adherence, have been for ever so long in the person of Ron Paul, who until recently, until they dug up these newsletters of his, which date back to 1990 through 93, a mere two decades ago, a whisper in time, until these were discovered, he was considered, you know, a little kooky but straightforward, a man who believed in his ideas and true libertarian and can't agree with everything he says, but there's a lot there that, that makes sense, etc., etc. Well, it turns out he's anything but that. The New Republic dug these archives up during the 2008 campaign and uh, have recently uh, posted various issues of Paul's newsletter. I'm going to give you 10 quotes or 10 ideas that spring from these newsletters with not only his name on it, but his picture on it. There's a variety of them. Here we go with number one. This came out in 1992 in one of his newsletters. This is referring to the L.A. riots. Order was only restored in L.A. when it came time for the blacks to collect their welfare checks. The poor lined up at the post office to get their handouts since there were no deliveries and then complained about slow service. Total racism, as you know, and a deep racial attack on the fact that all African Americans are living off of us like parasites. Of course, what, a mere, hmm, hundred and some fifty years ago? maybe just a little bit more, they were living in the total welfare system called slavery, where they would indeed line up to get their food and everything that kept their life together. We haven't really dealt with that, have we? Number two, I've been told not to talk, but these stooges don't scare me. Threats are no threats. I've laid bare the coming race war in our big cities. The federal homosexual cover-up on AIDS. My training as a physician helps me see through this one, etc. Direct mail ad promoting Paul's newsletters written from Paul's perspective in 1993. Your perspective as a physician tells you that there's a federal homosexual cover-up on AIDS? This is way out there, Pastor. Number three, it is human nature that like attracts likes, but whites are not allowed to express the same human impulse, except in a de facto sense, there can be no white schools, white clubs, or white neighborhoods. The political system demands white integration while allowing black segregation. From the disappearing white majority, Ron Paul, January 1993. Oh, it's the federal government, right? that allows black segregation, just everything that all African Americans want. I'm not even a comment on this. They speak for themselves. Number four, I miss the closet. Homosexuals, not to speak of the rest of society, were far better off when social pressures forced them to hide their activities. 
They can also not be as promiscuous. Is it any wonder the AIDS epidemic started after they came out of the closet and started hyper-promiscuous sodomy? This from his June 1990 newsletter. Don't think he's going to attract much of the gay vote with that. Five, whether the 1993 World Trade Center bombing was a setup by the Israeli Mossad, as a Jewish friend of mine suspects, or was truly a retaliation by the Islamic fundamentalists matters little. Here from his pamphlet on the New York bombing. Ah, fusion paranoia. Six, an ex-cop I know advises that if you have to use a gun on a youth, you should leave the scene immediately, disposing of the wiped-off gun as soon as possible. Such a gun cannot, of course, be registered to you, but one bought privately, through the classifieds, for example. This is from his newsletter entitled Blastem, October 1992. Seven. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But let's go on. The opposition will do its best to provoke some precipitous action on our part to discredit us and our cause. Follow the orders of Captain Parker at Lexington. Stand your ground. Don't fire unless fired upon. But if they mean to have a war, let it begin here. From his newsletter entitled Militia's 10-Point Advice to Other Militias, January 1995, 21 years ago. Here's one. When the new money is imposed, every American family must have a survival kit of highly liquid small denominational silver and gold coins for hand-to-hand -hand use. The Ron Paul Survival Kit. Hey, we need a kit to survive Ron Paul. Now an industry standard comes in an official World War II U.S. ammo holder. This ad for the original famous Ron Paul Survival Kit. And of course, this ad has been updated. Really? Number nine. Martin Luther King Jr., the FBI files reveal, was not only a world-class adulterer, he also seduced underage girls and boys. Has this man no shame at all? Are there no limits to his hateful ideas? Well, let's continue with number nine. He asks, are we supposed to honor this Christian minister and lying socialist satyr with a holiday that puts him on par with George Washington? This from December 1990. I'll let you answer that question yourself. Number 10. It turns out that the brilliant Bobby Fischer, who has all the makings of an American hero, is very politically incorrect on Jewish questions for which he will never be forgiven even though he is a Jew. Thus, we are not supposed to herald him as the world's greatest chess player. This is from a November 1992 uh, background on um, Fischer's politically incorrect views as a potential Holocaust denier. Does this make Paul a Holocaust denier? Definitely not. Does it put him in the same company with people who consider it or use it or play it? Definitely yes. Well, Ron Paul doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of being the nominee because his past is catching up with him, as is Newt Gingrich's, as has uh, uh, Herman the Clown Keynes. Also, remember, the right-wing punditry right-wing press are taking Paul on because they are scared to death that he just might be nominated. He has no coattails. He has negative coattails. There is a waft of sulfur from this man. He leaves a trail of vicious improbabilities. Well, they're going to keep him from being nominated. What are they left with? Hmm. The survival of the mythist? We'll be right back. Kane! You thought he was just a con man clown, 
who was using his run for the presidency as a means of selling his books and raising his lecture fees. You were wrong. He's a lot more. He's a corporate coxman. Kane! Herminator the Sperminator. He's the harasser, the badasser, and the ladies love it. Except for a couple of uptight livers who can't take a poke or a joke. Kane! There's a whole bunch of honeys out there who couldn't say no when the Godfather invited them up to his suite to look at his 999. Kane! So if you want a flip-flopping, backpedaling bitch, then vote for Mitt the Mormon. If you want a pompous, pathetic, pussy-whip professor, then go for the newt. But if you want a real man who's not afraid to put his Johnson on the line, then your only choice is Kane! I'm Herman Kane, and I approve this ad. Hell, it gets me hot. Hmm. What about that cutie down at headquarters? Thought I'd treat you to a little retro cane there. He's pretty much disappeared. Nobody really cares whether his endorsement comes or goes. Remember, though, Herman was top of the heap. Another bad garden gnome, Kane. Well, there you go. And here we are. A gay man in Minnesota is sarcastically apologizing on behalf of the state's gay community to a recently resigned, married GOP state senator who, having vehemently opposed equal marriage rights, was caught philandering with a male member of her staff. We're talking here about uh, Representative Koch, okay? John Medeiros, who heads an LGBT reading series in Minneapolis, issued the public apology to Miss Amy Koch. On behalf of all gays and lesbians living in Minnesota, I would like to wholeheartedly apologize for our community's successful efforts to threaten your traditional marriage, Medeiros sassily wrote. We apologize that our selfish request to marry those we love has cheapened and degraded traditional marriage so much that we cause you to stray from your holy union for something more cheap and tawdry. The anti-gay politician was widely known for authoring legislation to amend her state's constitution to say a marriage between a man and a woman is the only domestic legal union that shall be valid or recognized in Minnesota. Koch has been married to her husband, Christopher, for about 20 years. They have a young daughter, according to the Minneapolis City Pages. More hypocrisy. Watch out, anybody that stands up and starts waving that family values flag. Mm, they are definitely suspect. There's a friend of mine in my daily coffee shop who's really worried about the fact that the Republicans know how to win because they can fix the voting machines and they can pass laws to keep people, people who very predominantly vote Democrat, from voting. And indeed, that is the way a um, disgraced and disgruntled party like the Republicans get ahead, by cheating and restricting. But the Obama DOJ ain't going to make it that easy. And here's an editorial from John Marshall, the editor and publisher of Talking Points Memo, and I am a fan of his. Says John, one of the major effects of the 2010 Republican wave election was the subsequent passage of a raft of voter ID laws and other legislation aimed at curtailing voting rights across the country. The aim, often little disguised, is to reduce voting among racial minorities, students, and poorer voters, generally all of whom tend to vote disproportionately for Democrats. 
The voter suppression lobby has gained a number of key court decisions over recent years, so it has been a looming question just how big an effect the clampdown on voting will have on the 2012 election. But over the last few weeks, the Justice Department and the Obama administration generally have signaled clearly that they will move aggressively to mount legal challenges to these laws across the country. This would seem to be particularly so in states that come under Section 5 VRA legislation. Here's our report uh, from earlier this afternoon on the DOJ's decision to block South Carolina's new voter ID law because the state's own data shows it will disproportionately impact minority voters. Yes, the DOJ did turn it around. Also worth noting is the aggressive campaign the Obama campaign and Democratic organizations in general plan to mount to offset the efforts of these laws on the ground next year. You got to organize to get these guys. The whole story gets told in a series of DOJ decisions, court rulings, private lawsuits, and organizational moves on both sides of the voting rights equation. So it's inherently less high-octane a story than the campaign scramble. It's not drawn in the same primary colors, but it's one of the big stories of the 2012 campaign. And we'll be covering it aggressively from now until the voting is done until next November. You go, Big John. You all have yourself a happy holiday week, and I'll be with you tomorrow.